Peter Thomas Fornital here. We at In The Money Media are so happy to be partnering with Maggie Wolfendale on this new podcast series. On these shows, Maggie is telling the story of the horses through the voices of the people who love them and whose lives have been changed by them. Best of all, they're being produced to benefit our friends at the Thoroughbred Retirement Foundation, whose mission of saving lives, both human and equine, is so important to Maggie and so important to us at the network. To make a gift to support this show and the Thoroughbred Retirement Foundation, go to trfinc.org slash off track. That's trfinc.org slash off track. The next voice you hear will be Maggie Wolfendale. Dark Bay or Brown Gelding, Fold in New York, April 9th, 2005. By Jumpstart, Out of Adorahi by Rahi. 33 starts, 7 wins, 7 seconds, 9 thirds. Earnings, $585,980. A five time stakes winner, Classic. And graded stakes placed. Jockey club name, Ichabad Crane. This is his story off track as told by his previous and current owners, Anita Motion and Philip and Evie Dutton. Pleased to be joined by my next guest, Anita Motion, wife and longtime assistant to her husband, Graham Motion, and dual Olympian Philip Dutton and his wife, Evie, as well as they run True Prospect Farm. And we're here to talk about Ichabod Crane. But first, guys, I kind of want to know how the relationship between you all was forged. I mean, obviously, the common thread between eventing and the racetrack is the horse, but as far as sport is concerned, they couldn't be kind of further away. So how did you guys hook up? And I know that, obviously, Anita, you and Graham have sent several horses to the Duttons. Yeah, we we met them, um, I can't remember what year it was, but it was maybe the year before Ichabod went over to True Prospect, but we um, shared a sponsorship with Cosequin and Philip and Graham had to do an event together and that's when they first officially met and then we met them socially because we only live maybe 20 minutes away from each other. So um, that's how we first met them before we started, um, you know, trying to do some business together with the off-track thoroughbreds. And Philip, had you had off-track thoroughbreds Prior to the motions, obviously, you're Australian and you you started your career there. Had you had off-track thoroughbreds there as well? Yes, Maggie. Um, Yes, so thoroughbreds have always been a a big part of our lives, certainly. Like you mentioned, I grew up in Australia and, uh, you know, uh, racing is such a 
big industry there and uh, most of the event horses traditionally um, have all come from uh, racing backgrounds. It's sort of only kind of the last probably 10 years or 15 years that there have been more purpose-bred horses come into it. But, uh, yeah, so I've always, and we've, uh, Evie and I are both big fans of racing and, you know, even before we become best friends with the motions, uh, you know, we've followed and supported uh uh, racing and um went you know went whenever we could we'd sort of follow it or get to uh, get to some races and uh so it's been a, a win-win for everybody because it's kind of something that we're interested in well as well and also uh, the the thoroughbreds finding you know good homes for them or good new careers for them is also rewarding and then if you do happen to get a really good one well it's great for a for uh, us as to have a, as an event horse as well. Have you ever, I know many of your Olympic horses have been Irish sport horses or whatever, but what's the furthest you've taken a, a thoroughbred? Uh, gold medal. Oh, oh wow. <laughs> yeah, no, um, so my, not to, uh, my first horse that I rode at the first Olympics was a, a Australian thoroughbred called True Blue Girdwood. And he was actually by an American sire called Loosen Up. And uh, and then the next Olympics I went to was in Sydney, and that was an American bred thoroughbred called House Doctor. And he actually never never raced. Um, he had a kind of a, a kind of nasty crack in his um, hoof as a yearling, and so never went through the sales. And then I got him as a three year old. And so, yeah, so uh, you know, I've had a long history with the thoroughbred horses and. Um, you know, certainly, like I said, the last, you know, there's lots of horses now to choose from as far as, you know, horses that are bred more for the sport horse. But, uh, you know, still certainly at the higher level of our sport, the thoroughbred horse is uh, very sought after because of, you know, the cross-country courses are much longer and, the, you know, the galloping and the endurance part of it is a much bigger factor than the lower levels of the sport. So. Wow. Well, horse that uh, we're all very familiar with that was that has been good in both aspects obviously Ichabod and getting back to you Anita this was a horse that was exclusively trained by Graham um, from the start of his career which he debuted as a late two-year-old on through uh, racing as an eight-year-old from the get-go as you prepared him at Fair Hill had he always given you the inclination that he was a nice horse because he won his first two starts albeit even though he was a New York bred, running exclusively against New York breds. But a couple starts later, he was running in the Preakness. Right. I mean, he, to be honest, we never initially considered him or even thought about him going eventing. It was more, um, you know, our friendship as it developed with the Duttons that we set, we always talked about it would be so cool to have a horse, you know, that we could get over there and, and, um, just promote the success and the and the relationship and all the things, all the outlets that we could give these horses. And um, initially, we just really loved the horse. We didn't think of him as a potential event horse. We just said to Earl Mack, who was his owner, you know, would you consider letting us have him when he retired? Because we initially thought we'd make him into a pony or something because he was just so kind. And always, you know, a horse, if I did ride, I would choose him to ride because he's you know was just such lovely manners and you know just lovely horse to ride and and to be around and more like a pet really 
And of course, we had him till he was eight years old. So we we knew him for a very long time. And he had, a, you know, a successful career. He was sound. He had a good brain. So consequently, when we became friends with the Duttons, we'd already tried one or two horses with them that didn't work out. And then we said, we think we've got the horse. But then, of course, the only negative was his age because he was eight years old. So, you know, um, preferably, I think Philip likes to get them when they're a lot younger. And Philip, why why is that necessarily? Um, certainly, you know, certainly with Ichabod, he did have all the makings of it and we kind of made a decision um, to sort of just leave him at that level and not try to get him to go all the way because it was going to, like, keep in mind, like, they sort of, it takes about a year for every level of education. So, like, for to get to the top of the level, like the Olympic Games or the Kentucky Five Star, you know, it probably takes, you know, five to six years of training, education to get there. So, you know, before you go down that track, you've got to make sure that after six years you're going to have a horse that's still got some uh, miles left in him. And Ichabod had already had a lot of races and training, et cetera, uh, before we even got him. So sort of to keep keep going and put all that work into him, he was going to be a much older horse and maybe not enjoying it as much by the time he got there. So that's kind of why we made the decision with Ichabod. But, and, and then again, that sort of leads into, you know, if you get a horse as a three or four-year-old, you know, you put five years of work into them and then they're still a, you know, 10-year or 11-year-old horse, which is kind of good for us. That's kind of in their prime. You know, they usually go until they're, you know, 16, 17 or something like that. And uh, so having a younger horse, you know, you can mould it a little bit easier too. You know, sometimes the horses are a bit set in their ways or a little bit, you know, harder to train, whereas the younger ones, uh, you know, a little bit more amenable to learning and that kind of thing. So, yes, getting a younger horse usually means they haven't had as much wear and tear on their body and, you know, um, that gives you time then to have a nice horse once they've had the education. Well, to, I mean, yes, obviously it, it wasn't great for him to go on an eventing career, but I feel as though he's lived such a full life because, he was a pretty credible racehorse. I mean, he made nearly $600,000. Ha- Philip, had you or Evie uh, seen him run at the track at all, or w- were you familiar with his, his racing career? Uh, unfortunately, we didn't ever get to see him race. I mean, yes, we knew about him and uh, had followed him somewhat. And, uh, you know, he uh, he just, he's been an incredible horse for our family now, and I'll let Evie talk about her relationship with him because he she rides him now but um he is such a great poster child for the american thoroughbred and he you know everything he did he was very successful at and a little bit you know even talking to graham and anita about ichabod's racing career he was such a trier like and i remember graham saying to me once that he never he wasn't probably the most gifted horse but he always gave it every uh everything in every race and i remember um we went to, they just started this uh, America's uh, Most Wanted Thoroughbred and it was a competition that just started up and so we put Ichabod in it and it was at the, uh, where was it, Nita, was it at Pimlico or was it? Yeah. Yeah, and uh, I was riding him there and the poor little guy, like he'd raced there, he'd had some of his biggest races there and, but he knew that he had to behave and be quiet and do everything 
that I was telling him to do, and he just put on this magnificent show, and uh, he actually ended up winning it, and uh, all the judges picked the, him to be the winner out of the whole lot, and there was thoroughbreds there from across all disciplines and um, every kind of thing, and he ended up winning it. And I remember one of the one of this old guy that was a, a punter, or a, you know, he used to back at the bet at the races he come up to me and he said hey man i just love that horse he ran good races every time and i put my money on him <laughs> so i thought uh, you know that and that's kind of uh, really typical of ichabod that he just uh, everything he does he really tries his heart out and, and you know is, is trying to do what and please you with whatever whatever you're asking him to do well, I was one of those people that was a huge fan of his in his racing days. I mean, the year he ran in the Preakness was actually the year I was Miss Preakness. And I remember picking him um, actually to run third, which he which he did. And then going back to New York and, and primarily running in New York bred races is when I started my career with Naira. So I, I hold a bit of a special place in my heart for Ichabod and Anita I remember he used to wear an interesting piece of equipment, um, that extension blinker covering his inside eye. I mean, typically if a horse wears it, they're covering their outside eye because they typically want to lug out. But he wore it on his inside. What what was Graham's thinking behind that? I always wanted to know. I think possibly he may have lost a race or something because he was lugging in. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's actually funny because he ran against that horse, Naughty New Yorker, a few times. I don't know if yes. you remember him. And I remember this picture you're about to bring up, I think. Yeah, and the one time they were breaking out of the gate and Naughty New Yorker had a terrible reputation and he reached over and grabbed Ichabod in the neck and basically savaged him coming out of the gate and he obviously was oblivious because he had the left blinker on and he never he obviously had no clue what happened or why he was being treated that way. But um, And I don't remember if he had won the race or not. I don't remember. But he did run against him a couple of times. I believe, because I have his lifetime PPs up here in front of me, and I believe it was Saratoga 2010, because I remember Julian Le Peru was on him. Yes. Um, and that has to be one, I mean, Barbara Livingston has taken brilliant photos, obviously, for for decades. But that is one of my favorite pictures because I felt so bad, though, for Ichabod because he didn't know what the heck was going on. But I, he was either second or third. He was either the Evan Shipman or the West Point, I believe, when that happened. Um, but getting back to the, the Retired Racehorse Project, I mean, he won $10,000 and... Um, that was the inaugural uh, show, if you will, and it's gone on to be such a successful thing of uh, in the Kentucky Horse Park. And I, I mean, I had Rosie Napravnik on last week, and she was talking about it as well, and she's been successful in it. Did you anticipate it being such a big success? I no. I mean, I, I can't believe how big it's become, and you know the the following that they have and the entrance that they have. You know, I just hope this year they can do a proper show instead of the, you know, they. I think last year they canceled it. They didn't even do a virtual show. But it is incredible, the interest, and, and just goes to show um, how many people have a thoroughbred and, you know, how many disciplines that they excel in. 
you managed to pull something off with your own um, thoroughbred show, if you will, the Real Rider Cup, this year doing it virtually. And Evie, I know that if you're on, hopefully, that you rode that this year um, doing the Real Rider Cup. And plus, he was also a participant in the the inaugural Real Rider Cup um, back in 2017. Evie, what was that like for you? Well, it was it was really thrilling, and I promised uh, Nita that I would. I think I promised her the year before. I said, if you do it again, I'll I'll ride it bad because he's such a special horse, and I'm a little bit. I'm not really competing anymore, and a little bit shy putting myself out there. But he makes it all easy and fun, so I was really really happy to to do it. And of course, I'd always supported, but um, you know didn't wasn't so sure about you know being the one in the irons but I'm so glad I did it when did you start riding him I've always ridden him um probably since the you know beginning of when he came to us and uh, you know always really liked him but um really sort of became quote unquote my horse in the barn um probably a couple years ago when he retired from competing um, so that was sort of when I kind of took him over as uh, my my daily mount. And Anita, this isn't something you and Graham are shy from. You actually, looking on Philip's uh, website, you have two horses that you own with him competing. What goes into the decision to kind of take on these horses as an owner, but as an owner, not at the racetrack of no, event horses. Yeah, because, um, you know, whenever we've been able to get other thoroughbred racing people involved, we do tell them that there are no rewards other than pleasure because the financial reward is pretty much zero. You're just putting money into it. But for us, it's just so important to show, you know, these horses that retire at an earlier age and they are sound um, if they have a good mind, they are able to do so many other disciplines and they can compete and be productive until they're in their 20s. And, you know, we just feel very strongly that we want to promote that as much as we can. And um, luckily with the two horses that we have right now that are showing you know, a lot of talent, um, we were able to get their original owners that owned them when they were in training with us to stay in and be involved with um, them as an event horse, which is, you know, very rewarding to, um, to have that happen and to introduce more people to the sport, which, you know, it's just such a fun sport to watch and be part of. Philip, what's it like, you know, to kind of have that crossover of, of people who own the race horses to owning the event horses? Yeah, I mean it's um, it is uh, it's fun for us all to be you know you know we try to be a part of the racing world in a small way if we can as well and uh, you know we it's um, it's it's got to be somebody who enjoys the process. Um, it's not so so much about you know turning up and watching your horse win, but you know all the steps and the, the tribulations that you go through on developing the horses and. Uh, um, you know, when it, and it's certainly with the the motions and the horses that we've taken from them. I mean, 
they're not all going to be great event horses, but what we try to do is put a nice grounding into them so that they understand riding in a in a very good and trusting way and then usually they can find a a really good life somewhere with somebody else even if they're not going to work out or be quite the the level that we want them to be and so we've had quite i think good success in you know getting getting these horses a little bit more new education to in the way that they you know the riders want them to go and um and get them to trusting the rider and starting them out jumping and uh so that, you know, a lot of them now we follow that have gone on to other people and, uh, uh, you know, found a nice life for themselves. But, uh, you know, we have two now that are promising horses, uh, Sea of Clouds, which is um, an up-and-coming. Hopefully now he'll do his first five-star at uh, Kentucky wow. this year. And uh, then we have a very talented younger one uh, that's just a five-year-old by uh, – Union Rags uh, called Lincoln's Address, and um, so he's uh, very promising. And so we've got a sort of a, a mixed group of uh, Motion and Dutton friends, and then, like Anita said, the people that uh, uh, started out racing them have been good enough to keep a share in them as well. So it, it's a mixed group, and it's fun, and um, uh, you know, try to try to uh, you know have some success and uh, see what we can do with them. I know, obviously, with the pandemic, it's put a scupper on a lot of traveling, but do you still do a lot of traveling? Would you per, per, participate in badminton or, or burley or any of those? Uh, yeah, so badminton at, at this moment is still going on, um, mm-hmm. and but, you know, we won't be planning to do that this year. Um, and, you know, we'll have to just see about burley, which is a long way off yet. But, uh, you know, certainly, yeah, that's – that's a, a great experience for everybody, um, you know, for the horses and also the owners that, that get to go and travel to be at those venues that are uh, such, you know, that's probably the greatest thing about eventing is the venues that you get to travel to throughout the world because they are some of the most incredible places. And, you know, you mentioned two of them, Badminton and Burley. It's just uh, you feel very privileged being there and then to have a horse there that's able to compete is pretty cool. Really is. Now, getting back to Ichabod, if I know there's so many horses you get on and, and everything like that, but when he first came off the track, what were what were some of the things that you did with him and how did he respond to those tasks that were being presented to him? Um, well, from the first time he, you know, again, came across as just a real gentleman and just a kind horse that was there wondering what I wanted him to do and uh, you know obviously they come in all shapes and sizes from the racetrack with uh, lots of different backgrounds and you know straight away I could I knew that he'd been in good hands and you know he was very trusting of the rider and uh, you know we just start out by getting them to sort of go in a what we call a round way so try to get them you know accepting the bit and um, being able to use their top line and round as they trot and canter around. And so that's the first introduction is just doing that. And he accept, he had, he's got a really nice light mouth and accepted that training very well and was always right from the get-go. Uh, he scored very well in the dressage because he's so correct and, uh, and moves, you know, he moves well without being exuberant. And um, But, you know, just to look at him, he, he certainly doesn't, you don't get too excited and think, oh, my God, this is a, 
you know, he's not that big and he's just a nice little compact horse. But then when you ride him, he, he rides quite big and strong and forward and scopy. I know he's, he's kind of just got the brown paper bag kind of look to him as well. I know your new horse. I was looking at pictures of him. Lincoln's address. He is some sort of flashy. Yeah, um, that one's that one's flashy. Everybody kicks up and looks at him. <clears throat> Ichabod yeah. wasn't quite like that, but uh, Ichabod had the results to, all the time. So. And was he just always the model of consistency? Absolutely, yes. He, you know, and I... I'm not exaggerating here. He virtually didn't put a foot wrong <laughs> in his whole career. I mean, I have to say he did not want to go into the water jump. And so we had a little bit of a tussle there for the first couple of days to let him know that, yes, he had to do that. But uh, that's about the only time I ever had to raise my voice to him. And uh, uh, so to speak, and, uh, Evie and him have a good understanding now. There's a part of our farm that he doesn't like to go to. And so... Evie, in her nice way, won't even go there for him. She just steers away from it. So he's got a very good life now. And uh, but uh, yeah, he's you know he 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 is a bit of a freak actually. The way that he's done thing, and and uh, you know we've done uh, some demonstrations from time to time throughout the country. And uh, he's just uh, you know with you know you'll have I don't know let's say a couple thousand people there right around the ring, and it's at night with lights on and uh, he he just goes in there and he elevates his uh, his performance just because as soon as there's a crowd there and uh, he you know and he's a he's, so he's a, he's a great reliable horse like that it's it's uh, it's it's uncanny how he he knows what's going on. Evie, is that why you've kind of taken him on now just because he's like that? Absolutely. I mean, you know, I do feel extremely uh, lucky because even though he's now is 16. I mean, he's still, is, you know, everybody knows Ichabod, you know, and say, who's that Evie? I'll say, this is Ichabod, you know, <laughs> he's, he's still, he's still famous and um, everybody, you know, knows him and loves him, but he's, he is just that uh, gentleman, reliable, you know, good guy. He loves to come out every day and do his job and, you know, just enjoys it and, we keep things light, but, um, you know, he's really healthy and sound and he loves to jump. And so jump days are his favorite days. And he gets, then he really has everyone watching because he puts in some exuberant jumps. And, um, so yeah, he's, he's just a really great guy. Now I know that he kind of finalized his eventing career back in 2019, but it wasn't with Philip. It was actually with your daughter, Olivia. Um, how long did she ride him? Yeah, no, she um, rode him um, for, I think it was at least one full season um, and took him up to, you know, the preliminary level and had good success and um, really, in, you know, she loves him too, and occasionally I let her get on him again. <laughs> <laughs> so he's purely just kind of mom's horse. Pretty much right now. Well, he's, he's up here too. So Philip's in Florida with his horses, and Ichabod's up here in Pennsylvania with Evie. Mm. Now, how, how old is Olivia? She's 19 now. Is 
eventing and riding kind of what she's going on, kind of following in her parents' footsteps? Yes. Um, she is extremely passionate about it. And um, she is at University of Kentucky, which is a great location. So she can still, you know, ride while she's doing her studies and um, right in the heart of thoroughbred world there. And um, also, you know, lots of events. And um, so she's managing um, to do both at the moment. Good for her. That That's a lot of work to take on for sure to show and have a full class schedule at a university. Um, as far as Ichabod in the future, I mean, is he just a horse that is going to be kind of your guy? And would he be, would you give lessons on him or is he just kind of content to, to be Evie and Icky? <laughs> Um, I, I suppose we could, um, you know, and occasionally we'll have a working student and, um, you know, Philip will give them a lesson on Ichabod because he, you know, Philip mentioned how correct he is and he's so honest and, you know, he really, he's a good schoolmaster that way. So, um, I think if the, moment is right or you know it, then for sure but I don't think he'd become you know kind of a lesson horse so to speak he's you know, too too fancy too fancy too, too, <laughs> too special he's too pretty for that um Anita do um you said that he is at Tree Prospect, which is close to you guys. How often does does Graham get to enjoy some of his, of his former charges in the show world? Um, he actually rode out with <laughs> Philip. Was it last year or the year before? I think it's when Philip had to had to stay home for the winter. Um, Graham would go over there. I was, I was pretty out. nervous about it, Maggie. I have to say. So. <laughs> He didn't. Graham said that he would. You made him jump, and he's like, "I haven't jumped in." 20, 20 years. I'm not. I'm not sure you call it jumping. It's more <laughs> hanging on. We so. say we got this, uh, you know, documented. Yeah. yeah. But I think did Graham ride Ichabod then? I think he might have. Yeah. 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 So they, they, you know, that awful trotting on the roads. Didn't they do road work? Yeah. Yes. Mm-hmm. So it was painful, but Graham actually kind of enjoyed it. But um, I mean, he enjoys all the um you know all the conversations and I think he just enjoys the whole side of it and also you know encouraging our owners to get involved as well and it's quite funny because one of our owners when he he owns part of Lincoln's address and I kind of cajoled him into staying in on board as part owner with the horse and supporting him and I said he said so you know will we sell him and I said not necessarily you know we we would like to get him as high as we can you know and potentially he could be a five-star horse maybe be worth money but that's not the end goal it's just to have that ride that we want to have and promote him and and he said so how long do I need to wait for that and I said well about 10 years (laughs) (laughs) and so every time I check in with him now and say you know what he's doing and how he's doing he said so I only have nine and a half years to go and (laughs) yep pretty much it's all about the patience for sure now philip uh you're are you in florida 
I'm in Florida, yes. And uh, Wellington. <clears throat> Wellington. And is that the yearly kind of travel for you? Is is obviously when it's not freezing and snowing and miserable in the Northeast, <laughs> you are there. Um, but during the winter months in Florida? Yeah, I mean, it varies from year to year. Uh, but certainly the eventing season starts up in February in the South. And so, you know, to be stay competitive and to stay a part of it, you know, you've got to sort of start early and get the horses legged up and get the training into them and the jumping into them. And obviously being in Pennsylvania, the only way you can do that is in the indoor arena, which is you know, some kind of limits to what you can do there. So, um, you know, we have a farm in Aiken in South Carolina, so we you know, have spent time there. But this year um, in Wellington and Florida because of, you know, certain circumstances worked out for us to do it. And uh, so, yeah, so the horses are here and, uh, you know, we're getting in some good work and there's um, some dressage and show jumping competitions going on that I can compete at and, uh, you know, obviously some of the best riders in the world are based here for the winter and so it's it's good for me to be able to get some help here as well. Uh, how many horses do you have down there with you? Um, I think we've got like nearly 14. So we've got a couple of students came with us as well. Your career, it spanned at least 25 years? Uh, yeah, I'm, I'm not good at remembering stuff like how long I've been doing it, but my wife keeps track of me. But yeah, I, I came over in uh, 1990, I think, and my first world championships were 94. Um, and then I've been kind of going at it ever since then. Well, what was the decision for you personally to come to America and then also show for United States? Um, as opposed to showing for Australia, which obviously you've done in the past as well. Yeah, so um, I come over as an Australian citizen and uh, with that thoroughbred horse, uh, actually come on the plane with him, uh, True Blue Girdwood, and uh, mm -hmm. the idea, he was a, just virtually off the track and so he was very green. And um, uh, most of the my compatriots went to England and I had this idea that um, I it would be hard for me to go to England with a very green horse and get work and be able to pay my way. So I sort of decided to come to America. And uh, But I, the idea was that I'd be here for a year or so and then move to England. And um, uh, in the meantime, I met a cute girl and ended up staying here and, uh, you know, the rest is history. So, uh, But I represented Australia um, through until uh, uh, 2007. So I... I rode on the Australian team at the Olympics and all that kind of stuff until 2007 and then um, had this decision. You know, obviously we had, our family was here and um, America had been great to me and I'd done a lot of, um, you know, a lot of the, the owners that I had were all American and so, so I've made the um, kind of big decision for me at the time to change my nationality and so ever since then I've represented um, America. Now, not to get too off-topic or personal, how did you and Evie meet? I gave her a lesson. <laughs> oh, God. It's uh, back of a horse, right? <laughs> yeah. No, we were, we, we got, uh, we were, you know, I, I moved into the area and Evie had a fox hunting horse, actually. So, um, and I was, uh, started teaching people and, uh, 
we've become friends that way. Um, so Evie, you fox hunted. Have you ever fox hunted in England? No, actually I haven't. I, I can't say I'm a big fox hunter, but I, I sort of did the show hunters growing up and, um, came everyone in, in our area in Unionville sort of fox hunts. So I thought that's what I wanted to do, but, um, I started taking some lessons from Philip and he said, you should try this eventing. And I thought eventing was crazy and didn't understand it. But once I learned about the sport more and um, I really enjoyed the goals that you set and, you know, learning how to train your horse and um, to do the different phases. And, you know, I just found that it was just a sport for, you know, the all around um, horsemen and, and horse. And so I started um, competing and eventing and Philip taught me how. And um, so that's kind of how it started. He won your heart and your riding career. <laughs> Impressive. <laughs> Anita, you'll appreciate the fact that I've only been fox hunting in England. Oh my so, God. You're brave. Yeah. It, yeah, it, well, you know, there's always a gate. <laughs> but now that we've gone really kind of meandering, but getting back to Ichabod, um, Evie, feel free to to answer these. I, I kind of give these little short answer questions uh, in regards to him, and sometimes they catch people off guard, so you can pass if you'd like. But um, I'll throw them your way, and whoever wants to answer, feel free. Um, if Ichabod had a theme song, what would it be? Mm. Oh, my goodness. Pass. We'd have to have more time to think about that one. <laughs> fair enough. Fair enough. Um, I, you know, I just think of kind of the Sleepy Hollow music oh yeah <laughs> i don't even know what that would be but anyway f- as far as his taste buds are concerned is he a sweet tooth kind of man peppermints and sugars or a healthy guy in peppermints or excuse me carrots and apples he is sweet tooth all the way <laughs> yeah, he has a big bag of peppermints that um he knows when I'm, you know, the tack is coming off. He's ready for his peppermints. And you kind of mentioned this. His favorite thing in life to do is? Jump. Yeah, jump. Yeah, yeah. He does. I I was thinking eat peppermints, but no, he, (laughs) he, um, he does love to jump. Does he just know it's a jumping day? And is he one that's just into the bridle once you, you put a fence in front of him? Yes, he is. But he's, he's, you know, he's sharp and he's, but he's, um, he's just always looking for it and he just, he gets excited and, um, and he clears it by daylight. Yeah. And then he jumps really huge and hopefully I don't get jumped out of the tack. But, um, didn't Olivia, she was going to use him for the, um, puissance bareback. (laughs) Really? Yes. And it was, it was impossible to stay on him because he pops you out of the saddle so much. And so she opted for another horse because he's, and he's got a really high wither as well. Mm. He wouldn't have been the perfect horse for that. Yeah. A lot of those thoroughbreds, the older they get, the more pronounced those withers become. (laughs) But what would be his biggest dislike? 
Well, I think Philip um, talked about this um, earlier. We have this stream out back of, on our farm, and we often hack back there. And there's like a little, it's not really a bridge, but it's um, a crossing. And there is no way you're going near that. And I mean, he just... He, we start walking down, and he just turns around and he says, "No, mom, we're not, we're not doing that." So, he definitely doesn't like that. Wait, is there? Do you have you come up with a reason why? I, I, I think you know he's not a big water fan, as Philip mentioned. But um, he, I, I don't know, it's spooky, and he just, yeah, he's he's just says no. And I don't really see a reason. We can go around it, you know. Like it's. It's fine. He doesn't doesn't owe us anything. So, yeah. So you're the good cop. In other words, <laughs> I, I try to be all the time. <laughs> yep, yep. Um, if you could sum up Ichabod Icky in three words, what would they be? Gentlemen, workmen, um, special, professional. Dependable. Just everything that you want in a horse. I think um, Philip actually um, said in one of his seminars that he did that he would be the kind of guy, you know, that would make a good boyfriend (laughs) because he's got all the qualities of a man that you would want. If only we could all have men like (laughs) (laughs) Well. Well... Go uh, Anita and Evie, they're very lucky, so they're fine. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> this is true. This is true. I, I can I can surely attest to that. Um, well, guys, thank you so much for your time. I know you're all very busy. And thank you for being such good people to Ichabod and giving him such a wonderful life off track. Well, it's our privilege to have him, so uh, we feel very lucky. So. Well, thank you for your time, and may his days be full of peppermints. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you, Maggie. Thank you, Maggie. Hey, everyone. Thanks for listening to... Ichabod Crane's story off track. Unfortunately, there are some horses who aren't able to go on to second careers, and for them, the Thoroughbred Retirement Foundation provides lifelong sanctuary and care. And if you'd like to support them, make sure you check out trfinc.org slash off track.